Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew chapter number 5, starting and ending with verse number 6 in our study here of the Beatitude, fourth part this evening. Jesus, speaking to the multitudes and to his disciples, says these words, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Very simply this evening, my subject for the next few moments is hunger, hungry rather, and thirsty. Hungry and thirsty. Hallelujah. Let's pray together if you'll help me right now that God would touch our hearts and minds tonight. God, we come to you this evening and I appreciate, Lord, the God opportunity to be in your house. Appreciate, Lord Jesus, your people that have, Lord, intentionally came to the house of the Lord tonight to God center themselves around your word again and God that we can derive strength from and instruction Lord Jesus for our life I pray oh Lord open up our minds of our understanding cause us to understand your ways tonight God through and by your word I pray Lord for acceptable words God to share Lord in an understandable fashion and way God that we all may benefit from it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen Hallelujah. Everybody say amen. You may be seated this evening. It's good to have Sister uh, Craig back with us after her journey to East Tennessee. Amen. Glad to have her back. Uh, Sincerely, I'm not just saying that. Sincerely glad to have her back. I was telling my wife, and this is to no discredit of anybody else, but I was telling my wife last Sunday, I said, well, we're getting ready to go to church. I said, I'm going to miss two people particularly. I said, that's Dad. I said, and Sister Craig, I said, because they're good backers. They know how to get into the trenches with you. And so we're glad to have you back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It would be inappropriate tonight, it would be inappropriate uh, just to read this verse so far and to cut it off because we really steal uh, some of the meaning and uh, we would really be applying a meaning that isn't there if I were to say, uh, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst, and left it just at that. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. That would be very inappropriate without uh, designating an object of those desires. What are we hungering after? What are we thirsting after? Because uh, naturally by our human bodies and just life in general as humanity, uh, we have natural hunger and natural thirst. There are, uh, it's a natural mode of life to have desires. But in Scripture, the blessing that the Lord is speaking about, blessed are they which hunger and thirst. You're not just blessed for hunger and thirsting. You're not just blessed for having desires in general, but the, the pronouncement of the blessed is upon the hungering and thirsting whenever that hunger and thirst is rightly focused, when it's after that which is appropriate. Uh, throughout Scripture, uh, people 
uh, the Bible even tells us, have hungered and thirst for, uh, some have hungered and thirst for money. You can read stories and accounts in Scripture, some for uh, possessions, others, uh, no, believe it or not, some have hungered and thirst for wives, you know, uh, some have for land, uh, and, and some have for revenge, <laughs> hunger and thirst for revenge. So there's a variety of things, even Scripture bears out, that humanity have, have hungered and thirst for. But the blessing, if you will, uh, the approval is not placed simply on desires because just having desires is a natural tendency of life. But it's where we direct those desires that Jesus says, having those desires after righteousness that brings a blessing upon our life or a blessing upon our hungering and our thirsting. I don't believe perhaps there is anything any more dangerous or a more dangerous scenario than being hungry or thirsty, but not knowing what you are hungry or thirsty for. Because whenever you're, you have tendencies of being hungry and thirsty, but you don't know what you're hungry or thirsty for, that's an open-ended desire. An open-ended desire. And for that matter, uh, the persuasion sometimes of peers, for our modern-day age, commercials, billboards, Sale advertisement might help you choose what to satisfy your hunger and thirst with. So there's a natural desire, a natural thrust, if you will, of hungering and thirsting, but whenever you don't know what that's toward or for, it's, it doesn't have a definite direction. It's an indefinite direction. Uh, they always tell us, particularly, don't go to the store hungry. I've learned this. You don't go to the store hungry, hungry unless you know what you're hungry for. Because if you go into the store just with this tendency of being hungry, it will result at the end of your little session there at IGA or Bueller's that you're going to have a full cart with items that sounded real good as you're going up and down the aisles. You had a hunger, you had a thirst, but you really didn't know what you was hungry or thirsty for. Or, or perhaps it's a little different. You're at home. The groceries are already in the cabinets. But still yet, you're hungry and thirsty, but you're not sure what you're hungry and thirsty for. And so I know what, how my tendency is. I pilfer through the cabinets. And as I'm going through the cabinets and through the refrigerator, sometimes I see, man, there's some triscuits and cheese, you know, fire-roasted tomato. I kind of like, I nibble on a little bit of that. There's an apple. I ate a little bit. Of, and I find myself going through the cabinet. I've ate a little bit of this. And then through the refrigerator, I, I've ate a little bit of that. And finally, I come in contact with really, you know, I didn't know what it was, but I knew whenever I'd find it. Man, there it is. That's what I'm hungry and thirsty for. But because of my journey up to that point in time, I've nibbled on a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Before you know it, I've had a meal, you know, before I even reached what I really wanted to get to. And now I'm already full. I'm full, but I'm not even close to being satisfied. Because I started in my journey hungering and thirsting with some innate desires with no direction. And so with that, I was just pulling everything in, feeling a void, if you will. But whenever the day ended, whenever I finally found what, man, what those taste buds were jumping for and that saliva was being created in my mouth for, I'm full now. There's not any room for anything else, but I'm not satisfied. 
Because in reality, none of that up to this point is really what I was hungering for or thirsting for. Scripture, though, promises you and I here in the Beatitudes, promises that you will be filled. And the field that the Bible speaks of here in Matthew 5 carries a meaning with it of not just being filled, but being satisfied, because those are two vast different things of being just filled and being satisfied. Because you can be totally full and not satisfied. Amen. Uh, and it's more important for us too in a Christian walk, more important than just being filled, we need to be satisfied with the feeling, so to speak. Uh, one, one primary determiner for Jesus' words spoken in Matthew 5 and Beatitudes, one primary determiner, amen, for determining whether or not you'll be satisfied is what is the object of your hunger and thirst. Whatever the object of your hunger and thirst is is going to have a heavy hand in determining whether or not when you're finished if you're going to be satisfied or not. So people even, we've seen in our modern day life and yet the story still again in Scripture. People can fill their life with possessions and yet they continue to possess more and more. And if, in essence, if we could talk to it like this, if we could almost talk of possessions almost like being food some people have gorged themselves alright they've gorged themselves with possessions their life is filled with possessions but they always want to acquire more now why is this they want more because they are not satisfied they overate on possessions have gorged themselves with possessions because yeah they're filled up but they are not satisfied and so the problem is not the amount the problem is not the amount the problem is the object that's being desired because possessions will never truly satisfy money satisfy multiple companions satisfy none of these things will do it there's only one thing that can be desired and hungered and thirst after and will satisfy you and Jesus said that object that's going to do that for you is righteousness if we got to understand though the terminology this term righteousness because it's to be desired it's he wasn't saying self-righteousness all right not, not self-righteousness but his more importantly God's his righteousness amen making that our righteousness a common subject that the Lord constantly addressed in New Testament scripture was the idea of self-righteousness because the religious rulers and religious people of his day had a common problem with self-righteousness they hoarded and put upon themselves self-righteous thinking as a matter of fact he addressed it later on in his sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 and verse 20 he spoke and said for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven your righteousness got to exceed their righteousness well what was their righteousness their righteousness was self-centered he said you're going to have to have a righteousness that exceeds that uh, uh, hungered and thirsting after that type of righteousness will may leave you filled but it won't leave you satisfied he said you got to have something else besides self-righteousness you need a god-centered 
righteousness. So he spoke that to these type of people, that they must hunger after the right type of righteousness, a God-centered righteousness. In the 16th uh, century, whenever the King James Version of the Bible was uh, being put together, righteousness meant right-wise or as it ought to be. Simply put, right living. Righteousness was living according to God's standard of holiness. For he told us in Peter, be holy for I am holy according to God's standard of holiness. But scripture even teaches us that righteousness along with true holiness is part of our new man that's created by God that we put on. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 20, these words, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in, everybody say righteousness, righteousness and true holiness. He says, you put off the old man, and the new man that you put on, hallelujah, is created by God in righteousness. Amen. And true holiness. In reality, then, there exists no righteousness apart from God. There is no true, blue, genuine righteousness apart from God. For it is God. It flows from God. It's created by God. Jeremiah 23 and verse 6 says, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our righteousness. So the Lord equals the righteousness. So we could almost say that whenever he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, it could have simply said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after God. Or blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after the Lord. Amen. Or any other of the other titles or attributes that you could give or are given unto the Lord, you could say, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Because when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about him. We're talking about who he is. We're talking about what he creates. Amen. He's holy. Amen. Therefore, we're able to be holy. It's the righteousness of God. Furthermore, to underscore the fact that this righteousness is God, Isaiah 54 and verse 17 states these words. And we've said this before, but particularly the last phrase I'm interested in, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. When he underscores a simple fact, if they are said to have any righteousness that is genuine, true, then let it be known it's not of them, but it is of me, saith the Lord of hosts. So we understand righteousness to be God. And so this, this marries very well with the progression of our Beatitudes here. Whenever we first come to him poor in spirit and we realize our need, Secondly, we come, we begin to mourn over the past life that we have had and our sin and now only coming to a place of realizing this. And then number three, we come to that spot where we are meek 
And remember, we're power and control. Our life that we did whatever we wanted to do now is under the control of a higher power. And then what do we do? We begin to hunger and thirst after the very thing we need, after God. Our appetite begins to change. What we used to hunger, what used to be the object of our affection and desire now has switched. It's righteousness. It's God. It's the Lord. This is the progression of our walk with God. People who did not know him, who were estranged from him, even to the uttermost far from God, now are turning toward him, desiring him, hungering after him, wanting him, and they are now going to be a different people. They won't just be a filled people. They will be a satisfied people because the object of their desire has changed. Now, Scripture, if you'll look at Isaiah 54, Scripture tells us there, righteousness of me, saith the Lord. So we don't want to stop, though, just right there to see the full picture of all what's going on here. Uh, That's the last uh, uh, verse there in Isaiah 54. But let's continue to 55 because there's really a picture here of the beatitude that we are speaking of this evening. If we continue beyond him saying, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord, we start then with the first verse of Isaiah 55. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So there's a running dialogue here. He's already talking about righteousnesses of him, saith the Lord, but it almost continues with the same type of theme that's taken place in Matthew 5 concerning blessed are they which do hunger and thirst because now he's hollering for all who are thirsty to come unto him. He's talking about eating. He's talking about drinking, so he must be calling the hungry as well. But there's something very interesting that I think that's placed here in these two verses of Scripture. And that is, he says, the thirsty come to the waters, he that hath no money. Now, this is interesting terminology. He that hath no money, come ye by. You said, Lord, I can come with no money and buy. Now, that, 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 there's a little conflict of interest here going on. He even tells them, now these are people coming with no money. He says, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now, we've got a little, we got a problematic situation here. How can you buy without money? How can you get water, milk, and wine without having money to pay for it? He says, you get it without money. And the next phrase, because I, in the terms that I say, because it's without price, it's free. So, so you're going you're to come without money and you're going to buy, which is a difficult matter to hold on to. And, and you're going to get water and you're going to get food and you're going to get all these things because they, they, they don't cost anything. It's free. Now someone just travel the road here with me for a moment. Just because something is free doesn't mean you will get the free item. Listen to me plainly. For instance, a few weeks ago, my family and I went to uh, my mother-in-law's, and uh, we went down there to Tennessee, and in Knoxville, Tennessee, there is a multi-level building in Knoxville, and it is a used 
McKay's used bookstore. You buy used books, multi-level. There's all kinds of books. And so we were going there. I had a list, see. I, have, I always keep a list of books that I'm wanting to get. And so I had a list, so I wanted to go there. So we went. And before you enter the store, there's a container out front, this big, huge vat, I guess I could call it. And within there, there's a bunch of free books. Yes, I said F-R-E-E, free books are inside this container. And although those books, my wife looked in there, and, and I pilfered through there just a little bit, but although those books were free, personally, Brother Mason, I did not get one of those books. They're free, but I didn't get it. And the reason why I didn't get it, I didn't get any free books because I didn't want desire or need any of those books. None of those books there were on my list. They weren't my desires. They weren't what I wanted. They were not my need. Yeah, any of them were free, but I didn't get them because I didn't want them or see that I needed them or I didn't desire them. Amen. The criteria, ladies and gentlemen, was laid down in the first phrase of Isaiah 55 and verse number one on how to buy, or if I could say, how to get something with no money that had no cost. He said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. In my opinion tonight, the only way you buy something that is free, <laughs> the only way you buy something free is if you purchase it with your sense of need. Hear me right now? You purchase it with your sense of desire, with your sense of taking or receive it. In other words, free is free, but you only get free if you think you need free. You understand what I'm talking right now? So how is it then that the person could come without money and buy these things? Because those who were needing water, uh-huh, those who were thirsty, we're going to come and buy themselves some water. Well, it was free, that's right. But they could have just, well, just walked on by without it as well if they thought they didn't need it or desire it. The man who wasn't thirsty might not stop for free water. But the person who has a desire, mm -hmm, a desire for the water is going to stop by and get himself some water. Can someone understand what I'm saying right now? So the way that you buy something is free is you purchase it with your sense of need. Amen. I mean, I've had, I have people before. Hey, I, hey I'll give this to you if you need it. I'll give this to you. If you don't need it, don't worry about it. I'll keep it. But if you need it, if you have a sense of need, if you have a desire that, that, is, that is bent toward that, it's the same as yours. Amen. And so I believe Scripture, even the Beatitudes telling us, when we come and hunger and thirst after righteousness, we're not forking out dollars or shillings or anything else, but we're purchasing and buying that by our desire and our need, our, our great one insatiable desire for the righteousness that be of God. When we look at the Scriptures in Isaiah 55, the setting that these are placed in, the man of the Lord is speaking to a bunch of exiles that are in Babylon and have been in Babylon for a 
long time and they are now returning back to their homeland, the land that they are native to. And in Babylon, they labored. In Babylon, they paid money, amen, for a lot of things, amen, that filled them up but left them still hungry and thirsty and made them if you will fool but did not satisfy them and now there's a call back from their native land hey why don't you go on and come back home and the only prerequisite to you being satisfied is for you to desire what we're making freely available Amen. Only thing you need is just desire what we have freely available. You don't have to purchase this. All you have to have is a sense of need and a sense of desire and the transaction will take place without any money because it doesn't cost anything. So here's the transaction. What is being provided is what you are desiring. Therefore, there's a transaction. The same thing happened then in a Christian's walk with God through these Beatitudes. They come at a stage, they hunger and thirst after righteousness. He is providing a gift. He's providing what the New Testament Scripture calls a gift. It is without cost to you. Someone paid for it, but it's without cost to you. How can I purchase this? How can I buy this? How can I get this? It is yours if you desire to have it or if you see a sense of need in yourself that you need it. If you need the Holy Ghost, want the Holy Ghost, desire the Holy Ghost, the transaction will happen. Where the need is, there's the supply. It's without cost. It's without money. It won't just fill you. It will satisfy you. Bible says in Psalms 85 and verse 13 righteousness shall go before him and if I may insert righteousness shall set us in the way of his steps righteousness shall set us in the way of his steps Isaiah 54 and verse 14 says this concerning righteousness in righteousness shalt thou be established thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear and from terror for it shall not come near thee in righteousness shalt thou be established I learned something very quick then just comparing scripture with scripture that if righteousness will set me in the way of his steps and righteousness shall establish me when I hunger and thirst for righteousness then therefore I am hungering and thirsting and desiring the way of his steps and I'm desiring and hungering and thirsting to be established because when you get righteousness he says I'll put you in the way of his steps and I will establish you blessed are they it'll be accomplished it'll be done so here we are we have hunger and thirst our natural real lives not spiritual lives but real lives we hunger and thirst as a matter of fact hunger is evidence of life Hunger is evidence of life. A dead man doesn't hunger. One of the first things even a child oftentimes does after birth is to start to move its lips in some type of rhythmic sucking motion. Because why? Hunger comes shortly after life starts. Amen. The dead don't hunger. There's almost something even kind of drawn then from our beatitude. Blessed are they. If you hunger and thirst, you're still among the living in a spiritual aspect. 
Because dead people spiritually don't hunger and thirst. Just as it is in the natural. And so one must learn though in this life, we have these tendencies, what are we going to do with them? We got to learn what to satisfy these hunger and thirst with. We got to streamline our appetite. There was a, a French philosopher, Pascal, he said that there is a God back, there's a God-shaped vacuum inside every human heart. And he said, since nature abhors a vacuum, if we don't fill it with God, we will fill it with something else. And that is the nuts and bolts of it, folks. If we don't fill it with God, we will fill it with something else. Because as long as you're alive, the hunger and thirsting's not going to stop. You're just constantly maybe changing the object of what you're hunger and thirsting for. He says, do it after righteousness. He says, the Lord, the Lord is our right. He says, do it after me. Hunger and thirst after me and ye shall be filled. Not just filled, but satisfied. So, true satisfaction then is only achieved when we desire our hunger and thirst after righteousness. But the trouble with many or maybe even this deceptive this, uh, deception that many has come to is this, is that they suppose they will find satisfaction where it cannot possibly be found. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's me in the house. One in a chicken piggyback from Taco Tierra, half bean, half cheese with hot sauce. And thinking... I can grind up some beef at home, throw some refried beans with it. <laughs> Make my concoction up and engorge myself with that and be satisfied. No. I'm looking to find satisfaction where it can't possibly be found. Mm -hmm. Hunger and thirsting outside of the realm of his righteousness or God is doing just that, searching and doing the impossible, if you will, trying to find satisfaction where it cannot be found. To leave the righteousness of God, to change the object of your affection and your desire and go searching somewhere else, you are going on a long, 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 long journey because to try to find it anywhere else but Him is an impossibility. That is, if there's any longevity with it. Yeah, there can be seasonal things that you'll be find pleasurable, but you will not find no everlasting satisfaction like finding it in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to be found. Its shelf life is eternal. There is no expiration. You don't have to crack open the lid and taste to see if it's still good. Amen. A little fellow <clears throat> from the city, he was taken for a summer's outing to the seashore. And he stood gazing at the ocean as if nothing could turn him away. When asked what it was, that held him so spellbound, he replied that it was the first time he had ever seen enough of anything. I felt like that when I come to know God. First time I ever seen enough of anything. There was enough of him to supply, enough of him to take care of. And ladies and gentlemen, although hunger and thirsting is more than just an initial act, that's more than just an initial act, but according to Scripture, it's, one, it's more than a one-time act. It's just not that blessed are they which have hungered and have thirst. It's blessed are they which hunger and thirst. This is not it happened, but it's happening. 
They hunger and thirst. It's a continuing act. Although they're, listen, this is very important to me. Although, Brother Mason, their hunger and thirst never ceases, it is ever satisfied. Hmm. You can't find that with any. Sooner or later, you always come to the bottom or to the end of everything that you hunger and thirst for, but not with God. Your hunger and thirst will always, it will never cease, but it's ever going to be satisfied. This particular beatitude of five in verse number six, whenever you use the verbs, particularly in the Greek, for hunger and thirst, they normally have an object that in the Greek language is known as a normal genitive case and what that means is that they hunger and thirst after something and that hunger and thirst means they're just going to get a portion or part of it it's like they if you hunger and thirst after a loaf of bread you get a piece of bread if you hunger and thirst for water that means you're getting a cup of water but that is where that is normal the normal passage and setup of the structure in the greek language that is not the case in this verse in this verse, the verbs are going toward an object that's not in the genitive case according to the Greek, but in the accusative, direct accusative case according to the Greek, which means that the hunger and thirst is not for a part or a parcel, but a hunger and thirst for the whole thing. Amen. In other words, whereas normally it would be if you, they were hungry and thirsting for a loaf, they got a piece. Whenever they hunger and thirst for the loaf, they get the loaf. When they hunger and thirst used to uh, for the pitcher of water, it would be a cup. Now it's whenever they hunger and thirst for the pitcher, they get the whole pitcher. Jesus was telling his disciples and multitudes, hey, honeys, don't worry about hunger and thirsting for a part, a segment, a portion, a certain little space or part of this thing. He says, you need to take the whole thing. He said, don't dissect and say, give me a thigh and a leg. Give me the whole chicken. You hear what I'm saying right now? I want the hunger and thirst for it all. Explore out this thing called righteousness. Explore out this thing called God. Man, get, get, get his blessing, get his instruction, get his provision. You understand? Get all of it. Hunger and thirst for all of him. Don't dissect him. Say, I'd really like the provision of God, but when it comes to the rebuke of God, let's set that up. No, 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 no. He said, hunger and thirst for righteousness, all of me, not just a part, not just a portion. And he says, you shall be filled with what? Well, you're going to be filled with him or righteousness. You're going to be filled with what you were hungering and thirsting after or for. And with that in mind, we could say, you are where you are because that's where you want to be. Because that's the extent of your hunger and thirst. What are you saying? I'm saying this. You ever been eating with somebody? I know we've done a lot of eating with a lot of people over the years. Some people, you know, may have been asked some food still on their plate. They've already got their portion, some food still on their plate. And the ever popular, is that all you're going to eat? Yeah. I know some people that get plates filled and they wouldn't even feed my big toe, you know. And they got this food still on their plate and they can till their napkins folded kind of pussy. Is that all you're going to eat? And the reply often is, hey, well, that's, that's all I'm hungry for. That's all I'm hungry for. Or sometimes, uh, if I want to talk about myself, after I've cleared my first plate, 
And you could even tell I had anything on it to begin with. They say, well, honey, go on and eat up. There's more from where that came from. And I've got to name a few places <laughs> that used to take care of us over the years that I could eat. But you know what? The extent of what you get, hear me, the extent of what you get is to the extent of what you desire. You know, if you get a cup of mashed potatoes, and I got three cups, evidently I had a greater desire for mashed potatoes than you did. Especially if you don't go back for seconds. So the extent of what you get, that's what he said. He said, you're going to be filled. Here, here's the righteous. Wow, is that all you got? That's all they hungered and thirst for. I find in church life, we are all at different stages. But some people are at different stages because they've not hungered and thirst for anything more than what they have. So sometimes the extent of where you are in church life and your Christianhood and your relationship with God is really directly proportional to the extent of what your desire is toward Him. Toward God. Whenever we feel bad, we, you know, sometimes we may go to the doctor and an ever-popular question sometimes at the doctor is, how's your appetite? Y'all lost, not felt like eating much? Why is that? Because sometimes just a loss of appetite is nature's way of telling us, hey, there's something wrong. <laughs> you know, I worry, Brother Mason, I worry, but I pray and do it, you know, in a good manner. But I worry when people tell me, man, I just don't feel like going to church like I used to go to church. Why? Because a loss of appetite, not having the same vehemence of hunger and thirst after that, is telling me, man, there's, there's something skewed here. There, there's, there's something, there's something wrong. You know, I just, I just don't enjoy, I just don't enjoy the music, Brother Mason. Like, I, what, what, what's going on? Hunger and thirst is waiting here. What, what's the something, something's wrong? And that's a good place we need to step up and evaluate and say, great physician, poke around and prod a little bit, because we need to find out what, what is squelching our appetite for the things that be of. God. The old cliche used to be, you know, you are what you eat. You know, you know they have the little commercials out there now, and the boys out there playing soccer, and there's that boy, you know, like French fries, and what does he? Eat? You think we feed him too much fast food? You know, you are what you eat. Literal nutritionists tell us they tell us that our appetite determines our diet, and that our diet determines our intake and that our intake will determine our health. It all stems, firstly, though, with what our appetite is. Blessed are they, he said, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. When we start thinking about being hungry, and hopefully I'm not striking no vein with anybody here, Brother James. <laughs> you might be hungry. We start analyzing this idea of being hungry. What we, re, what we reveal or what we understand through being hungry is that it's revealing a sense of lack or at the same time a sense of need. Sometimes it's also marked by a sense of pain. You ever had hunger pains? Your stomach ever told you, hey, <laughs> you missed lunch by an hour? You know? You ever went out without food for a while that you become greatly, greatly hungry? 
I liked what A.W. Tozer had to say in an article called God Hunger. A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, the more critical the need, or the hunger, if you will, becomes within the living organism, the more acute or severe the pain. It is nature's last drastic effort to rouse the imperiled life to seek to renew itself. He said, a dead body feels no hunger and the dead soul knows not the pains of holy desire. He says, if you want God, said the old saint, y'all have already found him. Our desire for a fuller life is proof that some life must already be there. Amen. He said, you hunger and thirst after righteousness and you continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Amen. It's just indication that you're a part of the land of the living and that you have tasted some of that before. And because you've tasted that, you desire more of that. If you'll stand with me right now. So our part is to seek. It's his part to satisfy. And so this constant hungering and thirsting is not to be stopped. And if I may just lean real quickly upon the idea that there are hunger pains, but I've known in my own experience that if I ignore the hunger pains long enough, they go away. We've come to that point, didn't we, a few weeks ago concerning blessed are they that mourn because those who can mourn can still feel. I don't want to ignore that because that's very vital. It's very vital for me. That's very vital for my life to answer the call of the pain that I'm feeling. It's there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. I need to satisfy that with the appropriate, with the appropriate measure. And we'll continue to do so. That action is never stopped until the book of Revelation, the day that we are caught away and we are just as he is. And the Bible says that in that day of Revelation 7, they shall hunger no more and that they shall neither thirst anymore because now they are not just taken to themselves his righteousness and put it on, but we will be as he is. No more need to hunger. No more reason to thirst after righteousness. We will be as he is is brother mace if you'll come if we embow our heads in this place this evening father lord thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day